1: Com.
0: And welcome to the X-Zone, everyone. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to visit us online where you can find out what's going on in the X-Zone nation, visit TV.com. And we have some great news that we're going to be, well, we're just going to be flooding the airwaves with next week. A brand new TV channel, a brand new network. Things are growing here in the X Zone, thanks to you. If you'd like to send me an email, X Zone at X dot com. Joining me this hour is a good friend of mine, Doctor David Gruter. David, welcome back to the show. It's been a long time, my good friend. You're looking uh, you're looking very well.
1: Well, thank you. It has been too long, and it's a pleasure to be back with you, Rob. I'm feeling good. I just turned sixty-eight a couple of minutes bef- uh, minutes a couple of months before recording this episode. Wow. So I'm a happy boy.
0: So you still have to respect your elders, old friend, because I beat you by one ear.
1: (laughs) Okay. Thank thank you, Grandpa. (laughs)
0: Whoa. (laughs) David, what is new with you? You're such a busy man. I know you and your wife are doing a very successful podcast, but what's new with you, Dr. David Grutter?
1: (laughs) Well, what's new with me is a bunch of different uh, initiatives in my career. One is that I've Got a new membership platform called Super Change Catalysts. It's mm-hmm. for people who are called to do whatever their unique part is to help repair and elevate the world and to help them equip themselves to succeed with whatever that mission is and uh, to provide support from other people who are at the frontier in in their areas so that's a lot of fun and then i wear actually too many other hats professionally and i'm trying to figure out how to remove some of those hats (laughs) now david um
0: tell our listeners a little bit of uh, our viewers a little bit about yourself
1: uh sure let's see i am a i can i at this point in my life i consider myself a recovering psychologist and a professional (laughs) troublemaker (laughs) Hmm. and this is after decades uh, as in a career that for the first 20 years included being functioning as a clinical psychologist and even though i still over the last 20 odd years have continued to train and mentor psychotherapists Mostly my career has focused on the organizational development psychology side of things because my doctorate's in both clinical and organizational development psychology. And mostly I'm just dedicated to having a loving, uh, calm as possible life in the middle of massive societal turmoil.
0: You know, David, how do we deal with all this, all the turmoil that's going on in the world today? We were, uh, we now have what's going on in Ukraine. We have uh, Putin flexing the nuclear muscle. We have all the countries running to the aid of Ukraine. We have the Freedom Convoy going around in circles in Washington. Uh, we're just getting over one, two, three variants of COVID just to find out there's a fourth on the way. How do people cope with all this stress, David? Like, you know, stress, like I've never seen it before in my life.
1: Yeah, I haven't either. And I I think people are having a massive difficulty with coping with this kind of stress. And of course, When we're overstressed, they're basically, our our brains are wired so that when we're in a state of extreme stress, the thinking part of our brain shuts off and the reptile part of our brain, the limbic system, gets very activated. And our limbic system only has a very limited repertoire of reactions. Fight, run, uh, uh, freeze like a deer in the headlights, or play dead like a possum. That's it. And so that's what we're seeing. We're seeing p- some people go into rebellion and fighting against. We're seeing some people just run away. We're seeing some people stick their head in the sand. Uh, you know, uh, these are these are reptile brain reactions.
0: The reptile brain. Um, how does this differ from the normal brain, if there is such a thing?
1: <laughs> well, when, when our body is not pumping stress chemicals out uh, like norepinephrine, adrenaline, cortisol, uh, which go straight to the brain. When our body is not pumping those chemicals out, then the thinking part of our brain is accessible. We're able to think uh, to whatever extent we have critical thinking skills, we're able to think. But when those stress chemicals get pumped out uh, in our body and go into our brain, our ability to think gets, shuts off, gets shut off. Cause we go into emergency mode and that's what a lot of people are in. They're in emergency mode. So they're not thinking clearly and they're, they're um, just reacting out of self preservation, whatever that looks like for them. They're in survival mode. But David,
0: how do we cope with this? There has to be something that, that the mental practitioners like yourself can, can share with us tonight.
1: Mm-hmm
0: on how we can deal with such, such, uh, you know, stress. Sure. For example, here, in here in my life, moving, not only the house, the studios, personal uh, trauma, and the list goes on and on. And I'm not the only person out there like that. I'm sure that everyone out there because of COVID, because of what's going on in Ukraine, that is starting to affect us here. Look what's happening to the price of gas. How yes. do we
1: cope? hmm well, for me, the uh, the thing that I find very helpful, and the people that I influence find helpful, is to spend time every single day, kind of jumping up to the forty thousand foot level and looking in on uh, on the details from above, from uh, like in, in a big picture kind of way, and to recognize that what we're going through right now in the history of humanity is a massive massive turning point that by definition whenever there's a turning point in human history there's a lot of stress involved and right now that turning point is that this is the death of a species <laughs> and and it, interestingly that can be a source of hope because humanity's not dying but homo sapiens that species is done and right now there is a massive war going on between two versions of the future. One version of the future is a version of the future where people are basically turned into automatons, to, into commodities, into having their freedom deprived. And uh, and that's a version of the future that I don't know anyone other than tyrannical, um, power hungry people who support. Now I don't know anyone else who supports that. But the other version, is for us to recognize that this is our time to be bringing through our highest wisdom and our highest love, um, an elevated version of humanity, a version of humanity where we are called to learn how to finally bring heaven to earth. And if we can operate from that version and that vision of the future, (laughs) then we have a better chance of coping with the insanity that we're surrounded by right now.
0: You know, David, you and I are a little older and more seasoned than a lot of our listeners and our viewers are. Mm -hmm. I have grandchildren. I have great-grandchildren. How is what we are going through now and how we are reacting to the uh, the. The turmoil in the world today. How is this going to affect the children that are growing up in all this turmoil?
1: It's going to affect the children who are being nourished by their parents and their grandparents to recognize that they are at a sacred turning point in history and they have a precious role to discover and to live out that they may not know what that role is, but they're, they're here in this life at this time for a reason and that their their job is to find that reason and to live it and the uh, and the children who are growing up without parents and grandparents who can provide them with those kinds of lessons and without other influences, whether in, in their houses of worship or in school, if they're blessed with, uh, with positive influences in those settings, if they don't have any of that, then they are going to be the lost generation and uh, they're, they're not going to be helping the world pivot the way that the world needs to pivot right now.
0: As a psychologist, as someone who not only monitors the behavioral patterns of people, Where do you see the world 20 years from now?
1: I see two alternate futures. uh, The one that I want and the one that I don't want. The one that I don't want is a future in which the, um, the powers that be have succeeded at taking our freedom and our liberty away and our, our sense of personal empowerment away and our self-responsibility away and where they're calling all the shots and where we are being turned into essentially human cyborgs, where where, where we're becoming a hybrid between human being and implants, uh, you know, artificial intelligence implants. That's the future I don't want. And the future that I see 20 years from now that I do want Mm -hmm. and I still, am confident, is within reach, is a future in which we have restored our sense of self-sovereignty, our sense of self-empowerment, and where we are joined together in a state of what I refer to as self-sovereignty that serves us all, where we are uh, we are authentic individuals, free individuals who know we are part of something larger, we're part of whatever society we're a part of. And we're we're dedicated to making choices that live at the intersection of what's good for me and what's good for us all.
0: David, stand by. We've got to take our first break. And ExoNation, if you'd like to find out more about Dr. David Gruder, visit his website, drgrutter.com And his um, website, I'm sorry, his podcast is drgruder.com forward slash David TOT tot There you go. Tot. <laughs> we'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue with yours truly Rob McConnell from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. Whatever you do, don't go away. We'll be back after the short break. And welcome back. Dr. David Gruder is my guest. www.drgruder.com. And if you put a forward slash T O T, you'll go to his very popular podcast. And uh, welcome back, David. Always great seeing with you. Ah, there he is. Okay. There, there. Ah, David.
1: Welcome back, buddy thank you thank you it's a, always a pleasure to be here
0: <laughs> listen david over the uh over the course of your 68 years and like i said during the break you look like you're in your 50s i like as if i'm in my 90s uh, do you recall a time of lower trust in government and leaders than the
1: levels we're seeing today like this is crazy it's it's beyond crazy you know uh it, it's skepticism and distrust with government seem to be at an all time high i can give you one example you know the pew pew uh, uh pollsters the research yeah. people mm-hmm. pew has found that uh, and this is this is not actually the the most recent data this is just a year or two old uh they have found that 2% 2% of adults have a great deal of confidence that elected officials can be trusted with national affairs. You know, the, the governmental brand slaughter this creates is massive. And the, and the damage uh, that this creates is massively damaging to free societies. So how do we get around that? How do we, how do
0: we, how do we get to the truth of the matters instead of all the negativity that is pounding us seven, You know seven days a week 24 hours a day 365 days of the year
1: Mm. well i think where that starts is with people understanding that different individuals and even more so different generations have have very different blinding attitudes about governance you know my parents generation they grew up during the depression and then during world war ii they they believed in what's in, in psychology called the just world hypothesis, which is the belief that those we select uh, that those we elect mm-hmm. serve our best interests, and <laughs> therefore we should trust them. Yeah, right. That was the mindset of the of the greatest generation, the generation that came into adulthood during World War II. And I see. Then, okay. And then since then, more and more people have signed on to the opposite version of. Uh, attitudes about governments, uh, governance, which is the unjust world hypothesis, or as it's technically called the just world fallacy, which is that those we elect have misguided or sinister motives, so they can't be trusted and, and or must be replaced. And that's the mindset that's been growing since the greatest generation uh, has receded from influence.
0: All right, David, but let's look at something else here. uh the internet, the, the amount of information that is out there at the different platforms, you can say whatever you want to say, whether it's true or false. So how does this play into today's world?
1: Oh, massively because different individuals and groups who have their own agenda around what they want. The public to believe mm-hmm. have figured out how to do what in in military circles and intelligence circles is called psyops, right. psychological special operations, where they very very effectively use propaganda, false facts, distorted facts, partial information, and etc. in order to uh, manipulate the public into supporting their point of view while the public is busy thinking that they're, that they're coming to their own opinions out of their own free will. It's what Edward Bernays a hundred years ago, the father of modern public Mm -hmm. relations called manufactured consent. We're having our consent manufactured for us while we're thinking that we're coming to our own opinions out of our own free will and the internet, what it's done is it's created what's called information bubbles. Through algorithms that, that social networks use and that even search engines like Google use, they track what we are clicking on, what we're showing we're interested in, and they show us stuff that agrees with what our perspective seems to be. And so we think we're getting all the information. We think we're getting a full picture mm-hmm. when, in fact, we are being spoon-fed stuff that agrees with our own opinion.
0: And we've seen this not only during the presidential elections, the the uh, freedom convoys, but we're also seeing it now during the Ukraine conflict or the Ukraine war, both by the president of the Ukraine who is using the, the, um, the media, the multimedia, the internet to his advantage. Now, here's something I don't understand. He goes on and he is asking all the other countries to help a no-fly zone already. The United States, I think, has given him over $4 billion. And, and the money keeps pouring in, this, that, and the other thing. Doesn't he realize that if the the NATO countries were to in, you know, enforce a no-fly zone, that he, in fact, would be the fuse and the result and the reason why World War III would happen?
1: yeah actually i think he does realize that and i think that he his his intention with with making those statements mm-hmm. is that he wants his own people to see him as doing everything possible to fight for the survival of his country i think he knows full well that the no fly zone thing is not going to fly it's not going to it's not going to happen yeah uh, but he's he's trying to keep his own country people together.
0: You know, it reminds me of uh, something Spock said, the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few. Yes. And when we're looking at what is happening in Ukraine, and here I, I'm going to open my mouth and I'm going to stick my foot right down my throat when I say the following is, but as much as I'm against what's going on there, we have to come to some some conclusion before it gets to the point where that button is pushed there's a nuclear there's a nuclear incident you know mm. it, i i understand what he's trying to do i understand i feel good for his people but enough is enough like i'm sorry don't you get it that we're not going to cut co- you know world war three is not going to happen
1: yes it's, i think and, he, that's what i'm saying yeah. i think he gets it i think he gets it I don't think that's why he's saying it.
0: Do you think that he's just trying to save face and keep his countrymen going? And
1: I think I think it's partly that he's trying to keep his his uh, his own citizens motivated and empowered and fighting for their freedom. Right. Uh, at least his version of that and. I think that it's an old strategy. You and I have seen this over the course of our lives over and over and over again. And it long predates our lives where uh, where the the traditional negotiating position is to is to ask for the moon and compromise in the middle. Ah, gotcha. It's just a tactic. Don't take it seriously.
0: But it's kind of hard not to take it seriously when what he's doing is not only affecting the people of Ukraine, it's also affecting everybody in the world. Well, and and, and this is what I don't understand. He's he's telling everybody in the world what he's going to be doing. And I'm sure that Putin and his crew are saying, oh, really? Because they're watching the news as well.
1: Of course. Yeah. So there, there's a propaganda war that goes on on multiple levels. There's the stuff that these leaders, whether it's Putin or uh, or Trudeau Uh, or president of the United States or the prime minister of Canada or whoever, whoever it is, Mm -hmm. when when they're speaking, they're speaking on multiple levels. One is that they're trying to speak to their own citizens. The second is that they're trying to send uh, subtle or direct messages to leaders of other countries. And they're trying to figure out how to weave all of that messaging into a single message. And I don't think it's really very feasible to do because all of it's about manipulation nobody's coming clean yeah
0: and this is where years ago david years ago and i think i might have talked to you about this i had pastor harry walther on the show and he said the mark of the beast rob is not 666 i said well what is the pastor he said it's www
1: (laughs) well i don't i don't agree with that because WWW is neutral. Technology is neutral. If we If we switch from Star Trek to Star Wars, mm-hmm. there's the force, right. right? And then there's the Jedi expression or utilization of the force for good and for love and for peace. And then there is the Sith, Darth, Darth Vader version of the force, which is for evil and and manipulation and tyranny. It's all the same force. WWW is neutral how it's being used is in a Sith way, is in a Darth Vader-esque way.
0: All right, stand by, David. You and I have to take our commercial break. And ExoNation, if you'd like to get more information about Dr. David Gruder, this is what you have to do, is just go down to drgrutter.com and to listen to his podcast, just go drgrutter.com forward slash T-O-T. Now, Dr. Gruder and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break. As we continue here in the x from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. Now, if you'd like to send me an email, I've got the same email address that I've had for the past mm, 30 some odd years. TV.com is the website and my email address is exxon at We'll be back on the other side of this break. Don't go and welcome back everyone dr david gruder is our special guest and his website is www.drgruder.com and to listen to his very popular podcast www.drgruder that's drgruder.com forward slash t-o-t by the way what does the t-o-t stand for the one thing the one thing we haven't Ah, tried gotcha Mm -hmm. good seeing you dave thanks for being with us tonight and um listen let's talk about we were talking about the leaders before. We were talking about the Ukrainian situation. We were talking about SARS. We've been talking about a lot of things in this little compressed capsule of time that you and I have. Uh, you, you you
1: mentioned the healthy leader spectrum. What is that? Well, it's something that I've developed. It came out of the the question that I constantly get asked in the work that I do, which is, are all leaders messed up or is there some sort of spectrum from sick leadership to healthy leadership. And uh and there is a spectrum. And so I kind of developed a diagram for that uh, so that people could have a, a clearer sense of, of the range of leadership, well-being, or impairment that mm-hmm. exists so that they can become better at evaluating um candidates. You know who who they're going to vote for for whatever office that candidate is running for, and so uh, you've got at the at the most well developed side, and it's kind of like a bell curve in the sense that the majority is in the middle, and there are very few at the extremes. Uh, so at one extreme, at the positive extreme, you have you have leaders who are uh, psychologically and spiritually wise, and they have a capacity to navigate dysfunctional systems like dysfunctional government systems without sacrificing integrity. Mm -hmm. Um, they're, they're rare, they're few and far between, but they exist. And then the next over the next kind of less mature is where their psychological state is that they're well-intended, but they're not highly mature or wise and their capacity as a leader or as an elected official is that they're relatively well-informed, but they're insufficiently skilled. At navigating the craziness of the system right now, uh, I can uh, there are there are six variations. Do you want me to go through the the remaining four, Rob?
0: Sure, that'd be great.
1: Okay. so the 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 next level of dysfunctionality, is where the psychological state of the leader is that they're well-intended, but they're, they've got some real maturity deficits. You know, leaders lead at the level of their self-development limitations despite their highest intentions. And so this third kind of middle functioning state is where they, they may have good intentions, but their, their psychological development has so many holes in it that they, they can't show up in a mature way. And they tend their capacities they tend to be rather ignorant and insufficiently skilled in dealing with dysfunctional systems next more dysfunctional is the leader who is still well intended but uh, but is easily co-opted is, is easily manipulated by special interests uh, they're susceptible to being hijacked by uh by whatever special interest it is whether it's a uh, an industry in business or it's an ideological perspective in politics or it's a an extreme religious perspective or whatever it might happen to be and then even more dysfunctional is where you have leaders who uh, are no longer well intended they're they're narcissistic they're they have self-centered self-serving intentions and these are people who are beyond just being susceptible to being hijacked by special interests. These are leaders who are who are what is called in propaganda theory, useful idiots, who follow the narratives that are set for them. A useful idiot in propaganda theory is someone who thinks they're doing the right thing and they don't know that their strings are being pulled by puppeteers with sinister intentions. And then the most dysfunctional on the leadership maturity um, continuum are are again the, this is a small minority because it's a bell curve so we're now down to a relatively few number of people a low number of people but often in this case people in very powerful positions who have sinister intentions and are skilled in propaganda and psyops tactics psychological special operations tactics david
0: how does one's religious beliefs affect their psyche uh, are more religious people able to cope with the changes and the, the mental disruptions that we're facing in today's society?
1: Oh, it's a great question, Rob. There, There is an area of exploration that's just beginning to emerge ca- uh, called spiritual resilience. Mm-hmm. And what they're finding with spiritual resilience or f- spiritual fragility is that there are people who are very religious and not terribly spiritual, and they tend to be fragile. There are people who are not at all religious and not at all spiritual, and they tend to be fragile. Then there are people who are not religious, but are spiritual or who are spiritual and religious. And those are the people, those two groups are the people that tend to be the most spiritually resilient.
0: Is there any way that people can actually balance the two to give themselves a better lifestyle?
1: Uh, spirituality and religion? Yeah. Well, sure. I, I think the, you know, I, I know a lot of people and I have a lot of family members who are very, very religious. They're, they're um, um, in my family. It's a Jewish family. And, and the, the majority of my extended family is very Orthodox. And, and, they practice their version of Judaism the very religious way, and yet their orientation is about love. Their orientation is about the principles. They're not trying to make the rest of the world mm-hmm. believe the way they do. They're they're solid and comfortable and accepting of their own beliefs, so they don't need ever anyone else to believe the way they do. But they do expect people to be to behave ethically. And compassionately, and collaboratively, and lovingly, Um, and that it's that kind of integration of religious devotion. If someone is devoted to a religious path, plus a grounding in the in the spirituals principles underneath their religion. In other words, the doctrine, not the dogma. Uh, It's that that integration that makes them more resilient. Do you
0: think that? having gone through COVID where, you know, a lot of things were canceled, including church services, that people were able to realize that they can fulfill their religious cup of of wine, to use an analogy, at home, that they don't have to go to the church, they don't have to go to the synagogue, but they can actually do it from home. And in your opinion, did this increase their spirituality and their religious beliefs, or did nothing really
1: change? I don't know that I can do a sweeping generalization because as you and I know, different people have been affected differently yeah. by by the, the COVID situation. So there are some people that I know who uh, were very um, active in going to their house of worship that were suddenly mandated against being able to go and that's its own whole story. Yes. But, uh, but, uh, the, the, some of those folks really found a deeper level of personal connection with God, uh, because they didn't have the house of re, of, of worship to fall back on. Other people, uh, felt more and more lost. Like they, they had lost their way and other people decided that their their religion was corrupt and they left and they're not ever going back.
0: Strange times indeed, my good friend. David, we have to take our final pause for the cause. So when we come back, we'll be wrapping up with my very special guest and somebody that I consider to be a good friend, the one and only Dr. David Kruder. Exonation, if you'd like to find out more about Dr. Gruder, visit his website at drgruder.com and to listen to his podcast that he does with his uh, wife, www.drgruder.com forward slash TOT. This is the Exone. I am Rob McConnell. And the x is a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And we come to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern. And starting next week, we're going to be replaying a lot of the interviews that I've done over the years, as well as the interviews that Wilda Wiaka has done over the years, as well as Kevin Randall. And we're going to be playing them on Uh, Facebook. And it was really interesting to see what happened. We did a few testings today and uh, proud to say we had over 75,000 viewers watching our shows and uh, listening into what the very interesting people that we have on our shows have to say. Because after all, if you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. And I don't want to be part of anybody's problem. Well, maybe my wife's, but that's a different story. We'll be back on the other side of this break. Whatever you do, don't go. And welcome back, everyone. Dr. David Gruder is my guest. Uh, first of all, David, thanks very much for taking time out of your busy day to make it with us. And, mm-hmm. and and before we go any further, how did you and your wife come up with the concept of doing your podcast?
1: Well, we've been talking for years about knowing that there was something that uh, that Lori and I were supposed to be doing together. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, what emerged was that. We we both see a vision for the future of humanity that hinges around our finally doing, uh, generating worldly solutions through being conduits for higher wisdom and higher love coming through us rather than trying to make worldly decisions separated from connection with higher wisdom and higher love. And that is what led to our creating the one thing podcast so that we could offer people a way to develop their own spiritual resilience as well as their own effectiveness in the world from a spiritual grounded place, rather than a place where there's a separation inside themselves between their spirit and their worldliness.
0: You and I met many, many years ago when you were just coming out with your new IQ. What -hmm. have you done since then? I understand that you also now have a nonprofit
1: organization. Well, actually, I founded a nonprofit back in 1998. Oh, wow! Uh, that's coming up on uh, it's 24 years in existence, coming up on a quarter century, and uh, it's it's flourishing. And I'm just a grandfather in that organization. Uh, I'm also connected with another uh, couple of nonprofits. That uh, one is the Mankind Project, which is for helping men support each other in becoming more mature men and the other is a uh an organization that is attempting to launch an initiative for uh for helping leaders become more effective leaders in government so it's a kind of like a, a government trust restoration project if you will
0: now i also understand that you do leadership uh work
1: yes yeah i i really do a lot of training and keynotes and mm-hmm. mentoring with people in leadership roles, either in business or in politics or in, uh, influencers, but only those leaders and influencers who are clearly called to do whatever their unique part is to help repair and elevate the world. I don't assist anyone else.
0: So what, what's next for you? you have got so much on your plate now, my friend. <laughs>
1: Uh, well, what's next for me is actually a very fascinating project uh, which is I don't know if you've ever heard of micro cities no um, but the these this is a a new model you know uh, how do I say this in a in a brief nutshell Buckminster Fuller said that when when you see a big systemic problem, don't try to rebel against it and don't try to fix it if it's really systemically broken. Create a parallel or or alternate pathway that's far more compelling than the broken system, and people will come along. And so, micro cities is a an example of a parallel system. It's a uh, a completely integrated form of creating communities that integrates the health of the land mm-hmm. with biodynamic, um, uh, responsible agriculture with Regenerative economics, which is a healthy version of capitalism with integrative health, integrative education and integrative governance. All of these pieces functioning as an integrated whole. And I think that this micro cities model is the uh, is a, is a, a a bellwether of uh, of the future that humanity can embrace. I'm also releasing two more books. Um, that are connected with that and, and beyond that, uh, you know, I'm up to now, uh, this is mind blowing 26, uh, books that I've either Holy authored, co-authored, written forwards or afterwards or chapters for or been a uh, psychology editor for, or been featured in. And, Books number 25 and 26 are the Nimble C-Suite and the Nimble Company. And these books map out how organizations, how businesses need to be restructured in their executive teams and in their corporate cultures if they want to participate in what's called the transformation economy, which is the version of the economy we're in right now. We went from the product economy to the experience economy and now the transformation economy. And so, this is a framework. These two interconnected books are a framework for uh, recreating business so that it's it's profitable and socially responsible.
0: So, how will these changes, these micro cities, uh, affect the end user, the the consumer, the person who benefits from the results of these these CEOs and these people who have the ability to make the decisions? How will right. it affect? How will it affect me? How will it affect
1: you? Two two ways. Most immediately, as in the development of anything new, you get early adopters who sign on mm-hmm. first. Right. So the first layer is people who are so passionate and uh, about and resonant with the micro cities model that they will become residents of those communities. There are about two dozen of them around the planet that are uh, starting to be created and um, I'm I'm the chief integrity officer for that project. Uh, then the second wave, it, which is just as important as it, it, which is that as these micro cities prove to be as successful as I know they're going to be, what that will do is that it will inspire the rest of humanity to step into authentic actionable hope, where they're going to start to see that there is a healthy solution to the craziness we're in right now. And they will start pressuring the conventional politicians to get on board with a more enlightened model for, for creating healthy societies.
0: Now, as the person responsible for the integrity of the project, what do you do?
1: What, uh, I, I, there are a lot of parts to the role. But uh, what it basically revolves around is making sure that all of the leaders are uh, are operating in a highly psychologically and spiritually mature way, are collaborating effectively with each other uh, and are devoted to the uh, to embodying the ethics of this kind of venture. And then the culture side is uh, is helping to equip the participants who aren't in leadership roles with the self-development skills, mindsets, and habit sets that enable them to flourish as self-sovereign people who have a sense of being devoted to the good of us all as self-sovereign individuals.
0: Are these micro cities going to replace uh, society as we know it? And will it, this uh, these micro cities also replace religion as we know it.
1: So the, yeah, uh, uh, partly yes to the first part, absolutely no to the second okay. part. Uh, so the, the partly yes to the first part is that these micro cities are a new template that, uh, that any, any governmental a- uh, entity that wants to emulate them will be able to do that. And so uh, they they will be very inspiring and they're going to basically provide proof of concept that there is such a thing as a healthy society and how to create it. The religion part, no, there's nothing about these that are intended to replace religion if anything these micro cities are going to be places where uh where people of different religions and spiritual paths can join together with and support each other based on the perennial wisdom that ties together all religious paths
0: i love it david sounds like the new jerusalem
1: in a sense it is an attempt to create heaven on earth
0: anybody can do it i'm sure that you and the people that you're associated with can david uh got about two minutes left what are your final thoughts what would you like to share with the Exxon nation tonight
1: Mm -hmm. what i most want to share is a sense of hope that as dark as things look and are these days my my invitation to you is to instead of giving into the either or uh, polarized thinking that that we're being bombarded with every day to step into something called tensions competence, where you have enough uh, grace and peace inside yourself to hold seemingly opposite perspectives or opposing perspectives in your hands and to look for the underlying deep concerns and high intentions that both sets of perspectives actually have in common so that we can co-create integrative solutions. If you can step into that kind of heart set and mindset and spirit set, you will start becoming part of the solution rather than remaining part of the problem
0: so if you possess if you confess it you will possess it mm-hmm. you got it david let our listeners know how they can find out more about you we've been promoting your your uh drgruder.com website drgruder.com forward slash tot and i uh, uh, how can they find you on facebook and any other social media
1: sure uh on facebook you can find me uh dr david gruder is my facebook page um, I, uh, have a LinkedIn page. You can find me under David Grutter. I, I have a Twitter account. I have an Instagram account. Uh, so yeah, uh, pick, I, I'm not, a, I'm not yet a big TikTok person, uh, <laughs> or Snapchat, but, uh, those other social media I do participate in.
0: David, I want to thank you so much for joining us tonight. Please give my best to your lovely wife and thank you and for doing all the great it. things you do, my friend.
1: Thank you, thank you. And it's great to see you. I hope to see you again soon.
0: So do I, my friends. Thank you. ExoNation. And if you'd like to find out more about my guest this hour, Dr. David Gruder, please visit his website, drgruder.com. Well, that's it for this hour. I'll be back at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour, right after the news, as we can continue here in the ExoN with here's truly Rob McConnell from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. I'm always looking for good ideas. Send me your email, exxon at TV.com. So whatever you do, don't go away.